0: Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the podcast called Getting to Know God. This is the place where we look to the scriptures and only the scriptures to know the one true living God of the Bible, letting him speak for himself in his word through the Psalms. I'm Brandon, also known as Pastor B-Side, and today we're looking at the attributes of God as the Lord describes them in Psalm 8. The title for our study today is called Handling Authority. (laughs) You're going to want to listen to this one. But real quick before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that if you've been digging on these studies or the things that I do as a ministry, please hit the like button, the share button, and make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. As we always say, it sounds silly, but it really does help make sure that this teaching can be more easily found for the folks who need it we know that the more action and activity that social media sees, the more likely it is to recommend it to other people. And at the end of it all, it really helps us bring glory to the Lord if more people get to hear the truth. Amen? So let's do our part. So enough of that though, let's check these verses. In Psalm 8, this is what the Bible says. To the chief musician on the instrument of Gath, a Psalm of David, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. All right. So again, remember that because this psalm is so loaded with insight, we're breaking it up into three parts. So this is the third and final part for Psalm 8. So we're looking at verses 5 through 9. Now, let's break these verses down. Now, we know that every year the world celebrates, right, a lot of stuff, but specifically the accomplishments of people in all kinds of areas. Like, I mean, we honor entertainers, athletes, educators, scientists, writers, politicians for some reason, right, cultural leaders, innovators of all kinds, and a whole bunch of other people in very elaborate ways, expressing thanks and you know acknowledging and honoring their contributions and achievements. We get it. But here's the thing. There's something that's really never considered in these arenas. If not for the one true living God, these men and women that are being honored would not be able to accomplish anything, let alone something honorable. The Bible teaches that Human beings are able to have dominion, authority, and superior ability on this planet because the Lord God Almighty made it that way. We didn't evolve ourselves above everything else like a lot of foolish people say. The honor that we give to other people should be honor that's given to God as the creator of those people, the provider for those people the sustainer of those people, the protector of those people, right? I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea either to honor God for the ridiculous mercy that he shows to those people that we praise, since they seem to have no problem receiving glory that should go to God, as if they're the praiseworthy ones, right? The Lord could let those folks know who they really are and who's really in charge when they boast in themselves, but thankfully, The Lord doesn't treat us the way that we deserve, at least not immediately. The scriptures teach that God did give people authority, dominion, ability, strength, intellect, talents, and other honorable things, but so that he can be glorified in the end. For all of the amazing things that we see from other people, we should honor the excellency of the one true living God who made them that way worshiping the creator instead of the creation. In Psalm 8 verses 5 through 9, the Bible shows that King David recognized God as the cause of all human honor and glory, and so he marveled at how God made that a truth. While considering the excellency of God, David understood that God's excellency was actually expressed by the various abilities that he gave to people. In other words, God gave people on planet earth ability and authority intending to exalt himself by how we use that ability and authority, since he's the one that caused it all, right? David wrote that God made it so that humanity is just a little lower than the angels. Like, digest that thought for a second. (laughs) Verse 5 says, For you have made him, referring to people, A little lower than the angels. You have crowned him, again referring to people, with glory and honor. When God created the heavens and the earth, he placed his own glory above all things. At some point before God made our physical universe, we know he made angels and gave them purpose and gave them authority in the eternal plane of reality. Even though one third of those angels rebelled against God, they're all still able to maintain their domain in the eternal realm until God fulfills his judgment against those evil angels, and that's coming at the end. The good angels, right, the two-thirds, exercise their authority as servants of the Lord's purposes from the eternal plane of reality. Now, when the Bible describes angels, the Scriptures show that people were always terrified by their brightness, by their size, their appearance, and so forth. I mean, some of these angels are described looking like men, but others are described looking kind of crazy. In either case, people who saw them were straight up scared. Their glow was often too much to understand. I mean, how do you process seeing a person literally glow? (laughs) Their power was immediately recognized as superior and supernatural. Witnesses knew that the wisdom of angels came straight from God's throne. People knew that was true. Because a lot of those angels often express knowledge of future events. And then, of course, the fulfillment of those things proved that those angels knew what they were talking about because they had God's own wisdom. They had weaponry that was terrifying, an ability to destroy entire nations in short periods of time. Some angels are described as having wings that move the air itself like cascading waterfalls. The angels shout praises to the Lord day and night and are appointed to protect and minister to God's own people. So, I mean, when we digest all these details about angels, we can see that they're pretty amazing creatures that were created well before God formed Adam. Now, although angels seem to be so incredible, here we have King David in Psalm 8 recognizing that God created humanity just a little lower. So the hierarchy is God sits on his throne, right? Highly exalted above all things. Then angels are immediately below him, subject to him and his eternal purposes. But then people are next in God's hierarchy. Think about that. How is that possible? There seems to be a big difference in ability and wisdom between angels and people. And yet the Bible says we're just a little lower. What's even crazier is later in Revelation chapter 22, an angel is talking with the apostle John and even says that we as the people of God are actually fellow servants of God and are exactly the same as angels in that light. That mess is crazy. When God formed Adam and Eve, he formed creatures out of the dust of the ground. Let's not forget that. If not for the life that God breathed into them, Adam and Eve would have remained as lifeless mud. That's just what it is. The Bible teaches that all people fall short of God's glory, and yet God intentionally ordained people to be third in command in the midst of everything else he created just under his angels. David marveled at the reality of this dynamic, (laughs) rightly so. Of all the planets and stars in all of the universe, God's focus and attention is on planet Earth. Of all the creatures on planet Earth, and some of them are pretty cool, God made human beings to be in charge. Now, think about that. Bears, lions, whales, elephants, even dolphins and some birds, right, all express in various ways greater strength, power, wisdom, grace, An ability in all kinds of different ways, especially compared to human beings. Shoot, even the quickest strike from a venomous snake is enough to take a grown adult down in no time at all. And yet still, God put people in charge of it all. Verses 6-8 through say, "...you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field." the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that passes through the paths of the seas. When God created the heavens and the earth, he made sea creatures, he made beasts of the field and creatures of the air, and all of this before he made human beings. So these creatures were made directly by the word of God. They were functional before God formed people and seemed to manage just fine without us. Adam, on the other hand, was formed from the dust of the ground, not as a direct manifestation or byproduct of God's word. Even though we as people were uniquely created in the image of God, you know, having souls and given his own breath to enable our lives, people were last on God's list. Again, made out of dirt. (laughs) Yet we are God's focus, and God put us in charge, and our authority and influence is just a little lower than the angels. And yet there's a bunch of people out there saying that we just randomly evolved to be superior. A bunch of nonsense. Now the question is, why did God do things this way? Think about that truth like David did. The glory and honor that God gave to people is not on account of the natural condition of people. Our natural condition is weak compared to some creatures, or dumb compared to some creatures, especially from an instinctive perspective. And we were created last out of dirt. I mean think about the obvious. When man fights lion, man does not win, right? When it's hand to hand combat, like there are a lot of things that easily take us down. When it comes to instincts, we learn a lot of our processes from observing other parts of God's creation that was given those superior instincts. We have to be trained in so many of our daily habits, right? We can be but Look, when it comes down to the bare bones basics, we don't really demonstrate at least power greater than every creature that is on this planet. The Bible explains that our natural condition certainly falls short of God's glory, and yet David wrote that God created people in order to ordain us with glory and honor. Clearly, God's purpose for humanity is not to keep us in the condition that we are, our natural condition, but instead to conform us into his glorious and honorable image, right? We're made from dirt. He is naturally glorious and honorable. So if God created us to possess glory and honor, we have to have a change in condition. That change is where God is glorified and his excellency is made clear to everyone because he's the only one they can manufacture that change. Who but God can take the dust of the ground and create a complex, functional, and intelligent creature like a human being, right? God took a lump of mud (laughs) and formed the frame of Adam, including his brain and complex nervous system, his heart and his complex cardiovascular system, his digestive system, his skeletal and muscular system, and of course, his soul. I mean, what does a soul even look like? Well, God knows. God then formed Eve from the side of Adam. Even though it would seem like God subtracted something from Adam, the Bible teaches us that he actually made Adam more complete by forming Eve from his side. Who but God thinks this way and works this way, having that kind of ability and control? When God gave Adam and Eve life, he blessed them by giving them a simple command. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. God created Adam and Eve last among all the other creatures that he made in six days, in one of the smallest planets of all the universe, so that they could have authority over God's own creation and his possessions. How could creatures so weak and so pitiful, so dependent on so many factors, right, fulfill such a purpose and responsibility? Obviously, they couldn't. Obviously, as people, we are very ill-equipped to do the simple things that God commands because simple things for God are far too great in scope for us. History has shown we are clearly unqualified to manage the planet properly on our own. The condition of this planet is not better than it was a hundred years ago, even though there were a lot of people who would try to argue the opposite. The truth is, the scriptures show that when God created Adam and Eve, he showed how we're all called to be servants and stewards of God's own stuff, having authority to exercise in his name over his possessions to maintain the integrity of his goodness in the things that he made in an originally good state. Unfortunately, since the beginning, people have brought corruption, decay, and darkness of various kinds into God's creation. Now, despite all of this, David recognized that God's true intent for people is actually to crown his people with glory and honor. He knew how we were going to mess stuff up, and yet he had this intent anyway. That mess is crazy. The glory that David referred to in this phrase is the same glory that God has that David said in verse 1, God had said above the heavens. Now, this is not to say that people can be as glorious as God, but that God created people with the intention to share his glory with us for our benefit and total satisfaction. How can God accomplish such a result If we as people are so corrupt and only produce unrighteousness, right, how can God bring honor to people who decay and die? Well, think about this. Remember that David explained how God prefers to use the mouths of babes and nursing infants to express his own strength and excellency by judging and purging the things that are contrary to his goodness and righteousness— so it's not just that God uses the most pitiful creatures in one of the most pitiful and obscure planets in the universe, but God also desires to use the most pitiful and weak of human beings out of the sea of humanity to express his glory. <laughs> God has ordained the weak, meek, humble, and repentant but faithful to be crowned with his glory and honor. It's those who submit themselves to God's purposes, as lowly servants that are exalted into the glory of God, to share in the blessing that that brings. Who but God has such amazing and incomprehensive purposes for such pitiful creatures and then guarantees His purposes will be fulfilled in spite of us based on the way He made His covenants and promises, which also, by the way, are publicly documented in Scripture. David marveled at the idea of our dominion over sheep, oxen, beasts of the field, generally speaking, right? Birds of the air, fish of the sea. These are God's creatures that God has often used and employed for his glorious purposes, sometimes in crazy ways, right? You Remember the great fish that swallowed Jonah? That was weird, but that's his stuff. And yet God has called people to have charge And authority over his own creation, over his own instruments and tools. Now, think about this. I mean, if you had cool and nice tools, would you let random people, people that doubt you and talk trash about you all the time, borrow your stuff for their personal profit? Heck no, (laughs) right? That's crazy. But what does Psalm 8 teach? As people, we were created to receive the calling of God to take care of our master's most prized possessions to use for purposes that bring us benefit, but ultimately bring him glory when we use them his ways. Doesn't seem right, does it? It doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to, you know, fair or good for God. Like this sounds like a bad deal for God. And yet, this is the way things have been since the beginning because this is the way that God made it. This is who God is. So God's excellency isn't just shown by his ability to transform pitiful people into his glory. It's also shown in the grace that he expresses while he does that. God's glory doesn't just come in the administration and sharing of his own glory and honor with his children, but also in the exercising of that glory and honor through grace while he works on us. When God's people serve God's purposes, His ways, as written in the Word, to properly steward His possessions that He entrusts to us according to His will, God's excellency is made clear. God's glory is exalted and manifested because God's grace is received throughout that whole process. It's God's grace that makes us able to do what He says. And it's also God's grace that affords us the privilege of God's word to hear and know who God is, to understand what he wants. That's what David was amazed by. He's thinking about all this, and he was like, dang, right? Now, remember, he began this psalm by marveling not only in the supremacy of God's majesty, but in the incredibly backwards ways that God displays his majesty, right? To set himself apart from all other creatures, Human tradition teaches that those who are powerful, who are influential and honorable, should hang around people who are like them. World culture teaches that our surrounding company is usually validation of our own honor and influence. So if we hang out with broke and dumb people, it's probably a testament that we're broke and dumb because we can't get to the people who are better. It's commonly said that we should elevate our company if we want to elevate ourselves. Well, it doesn't work that way with God, does it? I mean... Who would God dwell with to elevate himself if he's already supremely above all things as the God Most High? Even though God set his glory above all things, clearly we can see he came down. He condescended himself, ultimately in the form of flesh, and humbled himself, taking the form of a bondservant, because he was mindful of us and our condition. He knew the command he gave to Adam and Eve, He also knew that they couldn't fulfill it on their own, so he knew he would have to help. And this is the plan that he had all along. Took the form of a bondservant because he was mindful of us and our condition and the help we needed, whether we would admit it or not. All the while, he never left his position of supreme glory and authority. God was mindful about our fallen state, even though we try to refute it, thinking we're just fine and we got this but God knew the true extent of our depravity and weakness and the eternal consequences of that problem. Even though God created such a vast array of stuff, right, the problem is people. And so God directs his attention towards us to fix the problem. His original intent was to share his glory and honor, crowning us with his own likeness to perfection, so that we can enjoy the full measure of his goodness and majesty by serving him in worship. That's what was supposed to take place originally in the Garden of Eden. Now, to prove his intentions were ultimately good, he gave us authority where we shouldn't have any. And so, those who humbly receive that which God has given through grace and exercise that blessing according to his purposes well, when we do that, we bring glory to the one who made it all. This shows that our purpose, like the true meaning of human life, (laughs) is not to exercise authority for selfish gain. And when I say selfish gain, I mean selfish gain and not saying that like, oh yeah, we're doing this to better our families when really it's just about us, right? Look, if not for God, we wouldn't have any authority. If not for God, we wouldn't have any ability. God's supreme glory, honor, and majesty shines in those who humble themselves before Him like babes and nursing infants, dependent on Him for everything, like Jesus as the Son of God, who lived only to do the will of the Father. That's where our minds and hearts should be. The glory of God is made manifest when His authority is exercised according to His original intents in the form of a bondservant, just like Jesus Christ, which can only happen by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when we have repentant biblical faith in the identity and purpose of Jesus as the Son of God and Messiah. According to the Bible, our lives are not our own. Our God is our Lord and Master, like it or not. He is the creator and the administrator of all things. Our dominion was given so that we could steward the things that belong to him, acknowledging him in gratitude for the opportunity we have to serve his purposes through worship with an attitude of praise. That's what life is supposed to be all about. When we consider how small we are in the grand scheme of all of God's creation, I mean, it should really boggle our minds that we get such a privilege and get to serve God this way. It seems impossible that such a great and glorious God would consider us, let alone empower and equip us the way that the Bible teaches he does. The truth is, this is impossible. But we know with God, all things are possible. I mean, it's like David said, how excellent is his name indeed. And that's what the Bible teaches about the one that we know as God. So before I get out of here, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder to please take a second and make sure that you're subscribed and make sure that you share the link to this podcast on your social media and make sure that you're letting people know about the things we're talking about here, right? Hopefully you think this is good stuff. Look, we need all the people we can to know the truth about God. It doesn't just take one or two of us, right? It takes all of us to distribute the hope that God wants to give don't keep people you know from hearing the truth and hope that they may need because they might even need it right now. You'd be surprised by the power of a click to like and or share for some crazy stories. I'm just saying. And also keep in mind that the Bible teaching I do here is 100% listener supported. And what that means is that I depend on listeners like you to pay the bills for the tools that make all of this stuff available to you. And there's quite a few things involved with that, as well as pay for all the time that it takes to study the word and prepare to this degree. It's a full-time deal. If this podcast is helpful to you, like genuinely helpful, and you value this sort of teaching and dig on, you know, just how we do things, please prayerfully consider sending a donation this way. I'm not asking you to make me rich. We are a legit nonprofit, 501c3 registered with the IRS, operating through our parent ministry called Proper Knowledge Ministries. So if you'd like to partner with the work of the gospel that we're doing here, look, you can visit www.pastorbside.com. B-side, like the flip side of a record. You can hit the support tab and give any amount that you're able as the Lord leads. And believe me, every bit helps. And if the Lord would lead you, maybe even consider partnering monthly with us, making your gift recurring, kinda like tithing to a church because church is founded on the true teaching of the Bible, right? Continuing in the apostles' doctrine. That's exactly what we do here. Ministries like this all over the world needs support just like any other. But you listening to this one. So look, for all the false teaching being shared out there, let's partner together and make a strong effort to get more good teaching out there. So Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the study. And Until next time, peace out.